Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. This is Hey Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Tori. Hey, Mabel. Hey, you know what? What? We're still in the middle of this pandemic. Yeah, we sure are. And yet I'm smiling like a fool. Like, Tori, I have a question for you. How much writing have you actually done during this pandemic? Have you been doing writing? Have you been thinking about writing? Like, in what creative space do you find yourself in? Actually, I've been more productive as far as playwriting than I have in years. Part of it has to do with having the opportunity to sit down and write. I wouldn't say that anything I've written has been earth shattering, but I've definitely been writing more. I don't know if it's just that I'm noticing more of the opportunities that have always been there and I just haven't pursued them. I'm not sure. I know that it was really helpful for you and I to give each other a prompt and I really ended up liking what I wrote. And that doesn't always happen for me. You know, there was the the project that we cannot yet name. I enjoyed doing that one as well. But I will also say that when I know someone's depending on me, I kind of get that stress. Like I'm stressing out as I'm writing and I'm judging myself and thinking, oh, this is not working and it's terrible. At the end of each writing session, I go back and read it and go, wow, I really made some interesting discoveries and ended up liking the the plays that I've produced. And by produced, I mean written. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? What's it been like for you? I would say that I have been really productive as far as doing all kinds of writing, not just playwriting, but also doing narrative writing. I've been attending workshops and classes online and just getting a lot done. But one of the most helpful things for me is having that accountability. We challenged each other to write a 10 minute play. We gave each other two characters, a line of dialogue and a prop to incorporate and a deadline. And I don't know about you, but when I have a deadline, I can move mountains. Not really, I can't move. I can't even move a piece of furniture. But but it really helps motivate me and, and we stuck to it right? We could have cheesed out and said, nah, but we actually did it. We held each other accountable and we did it. We wrote our 10 minute plays and did we submit them? Like, were we working towards a deadline to submit someone? Oh, yes! yes! To something that ended up being put on hold. Yes. And, And so it was all in vain. It's not all in vain. Now we have these 10 minute plays that we've been submitting to various things. Right submitting to various things and losing to various things. Yeah, but you know, that's that's all part of it, right? Yeah, rejection. If, if rejection isn't your best friend, you're not a real writer. <laughs> well, I think I've, I've mentioned this before that I do tend to be motivated by contests and 10 minute plays are my go-to. I've heard other playwrights say that they find them more challenging. Are you one that has told me you think they're more challenging? Yes, okay, 100%. But I, I, I find that so interesting because just the other day we were having a discussion about constraints. 10 minutes is a 
built-in constraint. I think that's why I actually thrive on it and I like it so much. I go, okay, I can make this work. But that's my plays tend to be in one place, one time. I did write a play that won in a contest that was three different scenes. But typically I write 10 minute plays that just it's from beginning to end, no change in location. I think it's great. I love creative constraints, but it's like having a studio apartment versus a 10,000 square foot mansion where you're like, ah, you know, if I want to put some of my clothes in one room, that's cool. And I'll put some of my clothes in the other room. That's cool. But with the studio apartment, you got to make sure all the clothes fits have a sleeping space, your little kitchenette, everything still needs to be there, but you have limited space. It's like I have more breathing room in my mansion than I do in my studio. No, you just need to Marie Kondo that shit. You know what I do, Tori? (laughs) When I start feeling like I have too much stuff, I binge on Hoarders, the show Hoarders, and ground myself in the reality that I must never let my things get away from me. Or, or actually, that I must let my things get away from me because the garbage man will come and take them away. Is that weird? No. Hoarders is a scary show. It is. Well, they do say that people that, you know, accumulate things and have a hard time, that it is a mental thing. Like when I watch that show, I go, oh, yeah, I'm not there. You know, the items that take up most of the space for me are books. I still love a physical book. I like the feeling of having something tangible in my hand. Just like with newspapers, boy, I sure do love a real newspaper and just the sound of it, you know, and then you're having your coffee and I love it. Well, I have a Kindle, but it doesn't bring me the same joy that a book does. A physical book. Yeah. I live in both worlds. I read a lot of books on the Kindle. But not really. I don't read a Kindle anymore. I, I Everything now is my iPad. I used to read on my Kindle, but I used to think iPads. Who the hell needs an iPad? And now that I have one, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so great. <laughs> I draw on it. I read on it. The one thing I can't do is I can't write. Mm. I don't like using the green keyboard. I'm not a very good texture anyway, so like that. And and to get an auxiliary keyboard seems silly because I have a, a MacBook Air with, I used to call that my glorified iPad and you know that seems to do the trick, but I do read a lot on the iPad. And now I have subscriptions to the New York Times and the LA Times. So I find myself reading those newspapers on my device. So I, you know, was like, okay, I can't buy any more books. The only books I'm going to bring into my home are library books because I have to give them back. The library being shut down, I've been utilizing the services that the library offers with the digital lending, which has been awesome. So cool. Did you know that you can take out books from the library again? You can order them and then go pick them up. Like they have a table where you can get the books. So you can actually get physical books again. It's like a whole system, but... I just love the library, love books. So that's fantastic. Gosh, but what you were saying about how you gather information leads me to think about how I collect information for plays. Sometimes I use a notebook, but one thing I do use my phone for is I keep notes that could be ideas that I could use in a story at some point. 
is something, if somebody says something that strikes me as funny or interesting, I write it down. Podcasts that we've listened to, names that are interesting. I think you and I talked about using a baby book, right? To get names, especially names mean something. So whatever name you're giving your character, I mean, it it doesn't have to mean anything, but sometimes there's a reason that you need the name to be something specific. Like I've, and I don't know if this is true, and it's probably something that I read when I was in junior high, but how people behave according to their names. I think about names of characters. I, I spend time thinking about names of characters. It isn't arbitrary. I really do put some thought into it. And yeah, I, I don't have a baby names, but I don't know where it is. I it's probably in my garage and still in a box, but now I just go, the World Wide Web, Tori, is an amazing thing. And What is it? Baby Center or something? Baby yeah. Center, Baby uh-huh. News, but I'll look up specific, if I'm writing a piece about a person that comes from a specific country, I'll do a search for, you know, popular names of Mexico in Espanol. And that's been really helpful. So Tori, because we're in this strange pandemic, where have you been getting your ideas? Because we've been more insulated, where have you been noticing that your ideas are coming from these days? Post locked, or I guess we're not, we're in the lockdown. So what is it, what is it called when you're in it? In it? I yeah. Like it. You're in it. We're in, in it. it. <laughs> so where are you getting your ideas right now with you being in it, in this pandemic where you're not seeing as many people as you normally would? I mean, even going to the going out to run errands, there's probably not as many people as you would normally see. So where are you getting your ideas? It's interesting because my ideas, I'm getting them from the same place, actually. The same places that I did before. I don't feel like that has changed that much. Yes, I'm not able to gather bits and pieces of interesting conversations, not that I eavesdrop on anyone, but but I try to mine news stories. Podcasts are just rich with details about stories that would be interesting to dive into. The NPR stories, you know, when they're talking about when scientists are being interviewed or uh, this American life, like real life stories or people telling their own personal stories, like on radio rental. I think just hearing those real person accounts of interesting events and then going, wow, that there's an interesting character in there. Or I just hearing how people talk, the different rhythms, speech patterns, word choice. I've been listening to a lot more podcasts, you know, since I've been in it. And because of that, I'm being exposed to more stories than I think I was before. So that is a difference, I guess. Although I would listen to podcasts when I was driving. And, you know, our jobs take us all over the county. And so I would be in my car for hours. And that gave me a lot of time to discover new stories and new podcasts. So I I love hearing those and then investigating deeper. I feel like I've grown in this amount of time as a writer. Honestly, I feel like I've been more driven to get things done. I don't know if that's because, you know, I'm really smack dab in middle age and 
<laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, I got to get it done. I think we're, we're lucky. Writers are very lucky. I think playwrights that have been produced are very lucky. Like, you know what it's like. So now if you drop dead tomorrow, you, you've, you've seen it. You know what it's like to have your work out there, to have people react to it. That's a really cool feeling. So for me, my writing is me processing stuff that, that I'm trying to understand. I, that's, I use writing to make sense of the world. So I don't know if anyone else gets any benefit out of my writing, but my writing is what helps me maintain sanity and, and not use straws at every meal. That's right. That's right, Mabel. You need to break that straw habit. <laughs> Well, so remember for my birthday, you gave me the these little kits of utensils and it included a straw? Yes. So my very last trip before the lockdown, the great lockdown of 2020, was to the LA Marathon. I participated in the LA Marathon and I did not use a straw during that time, or I, I did use a straw but it was a straw that came in my kit made out of bamboo. So thank you. I, On behalf of myself and Planet Earth, Tori, we thank you. Mother Earth thanks you. <laughs> so yes. I, I was doing my, my silent applause <laughs> so it wouldn't be loud. And yeah, uh, that, no, that's great. I mean, the little things add up to something big. You know, yeah. we can only do what we can do, right? So yeah. we, if you're capable of doing it, do it. It's a simple thing, reusing a straw. Doesn't seem yeah. like much, but if every person did that, it would make a difference. Yeah. So what about you? Inspiration and writing. Oh, oh, um, I can tell you right now. The reason I have an, a subscription to the LA Times, like that's fairly new, but it's because I'm getting a lot of material from the newspapers. And I keep locking myself out of, you know how you get like the four free articles yes. a month? <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh, screw it. I'll just pay for the subscription. And they have like a Pulitzer Prize winning section that they republished from 1983, the Latino section, Latino, Latino section from 1983 that they are republishing and there's a lot there for me to process. So I will be writing a lot about that because it's, I think I, I texted you an article and it's just like, oh my gosh, from 1983, nothing changes. It's about the inequity in education for back then it was Latino. Now it would be Latinx youth and the inequities and the the language issues. And I actually did write a play about language issues. And so it was really cool to read that article and also really depressing. You could almost write a play where part of the play is set in the 80s and part of it is set present day. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So true. That's a great idea, Tori. I might, I might do that. You should do that. I'm giving you an assignment. Thank you. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> But yeah, I'm so my so newspapers and uh, you know L.A. Times and New York Times are are my go-to's. But I, I love documentaries. Like I've always gotten inspiration from documentaries. I, I try to watch as many documentaries as I can. Yeah, anytime I can hear real people talking. So here's something that's so, super creepy about me. 
I don't know if you know this about me, Tori, but I would go to the zoo to totally <laughs> eavesdrop on people's conversations because people talk about the most fascinating things when they're looking at it. They never talk about the animals. I mean, the, the animal thing lasts like 20 seconds and then they get to talking about how Aunt Joni didn't show up for Thanksgiving and the family issues surface when you're looking at the polar bears. I'm a big fan of eavesdropping. I know I said earlier in jest, oh yeah, not that I do that. Oh no, I totally do that. I think I've even talked to students before about observation and that one of the skills that playwrights acquire is observation. You know, really paying attention to what's going on around you and listening. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've told them before, when you go to the grocery store next time, look at what the person in front of you puts on the conveyor belt. And then start to use your imagination and craft a story based on what they are taking home with them. What do they have? What are they buying at the grocery store? Is it, you know, a bottle of wine and roses and a cake? Hmm, where's, where's this guy going? I just think that that is fascinating. Is it a person who has diapers? And <laughs> what is that um, man or woman going home to? You know, it's interesting. Tori, that is a great exercise, and that could lead to some really interesting storytelling, including possibly writing a play about a grocery store, which, you know, for whatever reason, is my favorite place to set a play these days. It is! That is so true! Your last couple of plays have been in a grocery store. You know why, though? There is a sense of comfort that I get from going to my local grocery store. Yeah, I think it's just because it takes me back to being a kid and going to the grocery store with my grandmother and I hear the same music that they played back then and smell the same smells and like see the same mildly offensive labels that some of these canned goods have that I'm like, what time has, has, has uh, come and gone for that can of tomato sauce to be called that? I mean, I don't go to the grocery store Unless you have to, right. I found myself in the situation. I had an enchiladas situation that I had to rectify. It was one of those things where I had to sit down with my kid and be like, I'm really sorry I let you down. I am not keeping my word and I will make this right. Because he wanted enchiladas as his final meal before he went off to school. And by went off to school, went to his computer desk and logged on. But... I promised him that I would make them for him on Sunday and did not do that and kept delaying, 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 and then felt really bad. And then he would, he got upset with me on Monday when I also didn't make them. Finally, yesterday, I was like, I have to go to the store. And the thing about it, she does, is if you don't use good tortillas, they're going to taste crappy. So I couldn't just go to the grocery store down the street. I had to go to the Mexican market. And it's fine. I like going there. But the pandemic just makes me comfortable with my habits of never leaving my home. And so I had to get mentally prepared to go to the store, put shoes on. You know, that is. And uh, anyway, all this to say, I made the enchiladas yesterday, but I hadn't been to the grocery store in a while. So people might not go to the grocery store. So this, I think, is a really great exercise 
So some of us aren't going out to the grocery store that often, but for those of us that are, check out what the shopper next to you has got going on in their shopping cart and start formulating the who, what, where's, and why's and start developing a character based on whatever they've got going on in their shopping cart. So Tori, what are we thinking about for this week's prompt? We were talking about ideas during the pandemic because anyone can go on their computer or turn on the news even and see see a story or read about something that happened and then start to think of people who would be in that situation and go to a newspaper website okay or turn on the news the first news story that comes up so here's your creative constraints so it could be about city council passing a new bill to resurface main street something as exciting as that or it could be something about the most recent covid numbers or it could be what's happening with the the presidential candidates. So first news story that comes up and what do we do with that? Create a setting, so time and place, and then think about what character would be in that setting. And it could be some it could be based on, you know, somebody that's that the news story is about. Let's shoot for a 12 line scene. Yeah. That sounds good. You'll need to have more than one character then, right? So yeah. you'll have the mm-hmm. setting, you're going to think about the characters who would be in that. In a 12-line scene, it's better to have fewer characters because the scenes are so short. It gives yeah. us an opportunity to get to know them in that short scene. And what do we see them doing when the scene starts? What are they doing? And I love the constraint of the first article. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Yep. So good luck to you. Hope it's a good one. And if you're looking at a newspaper online, the first headline that you see. So I even feel like with this writing assignment, you could just see the headline and not even necessarily have to read the news story to craft an idea. Back in the day, I used to keep a card file with newspaper articles in it. I still have it, it's just packed away right now. But one of the articles, what grabbed me was the headline. And the headline of this story was 303 pound cyst removed, and then a a semicolon, woman fine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, thank goodness she was okay, but damn. Did you read the article? Yeah. And so did she have, was she like a 600 pound woman? Like, no, but the, you know, a cyst is not necessarily large. The mass weighs a lot. Holy cow. 303 pounds. Sorry, I'm going to have to look that up. You know what? When I find the article. You'll post it? Yes, I totally. I think it was from, it was when I was living in Arizona. So it's really old. It was back, uh, I think it might've even been in the 80s. Because I used to keep articles. It was my inspiration file. Wow. Yeah. Love to know how she's doing. Yeah, crazy. All right, Tori, it's that time. Asking for a friend, what's our question? Are you a sniffer? You sniff things. No. You know what my mom is. But I'm not. I totally am. 
Like where you're like, where you'll be just like sniffing, like, I mean, like I, I smell no, things. Like but I where don't... I'll go, huh? Like if you see something weird, I've done this on the floor. No. I will get down and sniff it. Oh, no. I'm a total no, I'm not a sniffer. sniffer. My kid's hair, if she walks by, I grab her head and go, she's like, what are you doing? It's really weird. I, I do sniff my kid's hair. I won't sniff my kid's hair yeah. if I know they haven't showered because <laughs> yuck, that is depressing. I want to remember them with their oh. baby smell and, and you know, they're like getting older, I so know. they're not, you know, but, but when they get out of the shower, good. their hair smells so good. Yeah. yeah. So, so oh. I sniff their they're hair. They're getting all teenagery. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah. You know what I've been doing though? which is something that I have rekindled my love affair with perfume because, you know, in prison, we're not allowed to wear perfume right. and I love perfume and I've been, I've been wearing perfume oh, around the house. So that's nice. Yeah. I like my deodorant right now. <laughs> not that I go around sniffing my own armpits, but I do <laughs> like the smell of it. She did say she was a sniffer. I think the brand is love beauty and planet. I buy it at Target, but it doesn't have any of the... No aluminum? Is aluminum? Yeah, That's what it is, it's right? it's aluminum-free, uh, yeah. I think. I mean, I... I gosh. Sounds like it would be Love, Beauty, and Planet. Okay, now I said that, though, and I'm thinking, am I wrong? Yeah, there, it's supposed to be environmentally conscious and also health, you know. Healthy, yeah. It's lavender, and, and it smells really good. I like it. And it works for me. I used aluminum based deodorants though for most of my life so the damage has probably been done i'm pretty sure i will probably use aluminum based until the cancer gets to me all right so all right another one in the can yeah all right so today we talked about where ideas come from where ideas come from in the time of the pandemic and you have a writing prompt to set you on your way this is a no excuses writing prompt all you need to do is turn on the tv or pull up a news site on your device and think about a setting characters that might be in that setting and write a 12 line scene where each character talks six times so limit yourself to two characters go make magic i concur <laughs> I second that and sing. <laughs> Until next time, find us on heyplaywright.com, submit your questions for asking for a friend, and we will we'll be writing. That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be writing until next time. We're not going to stop until we record again. I concur. What she said. <laughs>